Welcome to Inside the Four Walls. Sports nutrition, active nutrition, and lifestyle nutrition is our world. It's changing, it's adapting, and it's evolving at a pace not many of us had anticipated. And we want to know more. I've learned over the years that some of the best insight is derived through conversation. And if you truly want to understand the dynamics of the market, you need to look beneath the surface. You need to ask those from within. So that's what we're doing. We talk to people from within the industry, those that have opinion, those that have been at the coalface, and those that have been there and done it. So buckle in and enjoy the ride. I'm Nick Morgan, and this is Inside the Four Walls. Welcome to episode 13 of Inside the Four Walls. And today we are moving on to the area of brain health, brain performance. And also maybe if you want to use the words like nootropics and biohacking. We have got Fabian Folch, who is the CEO and co-founder of Brain Effect. Now, Brain Effect and Fabian were actually name-checked in our first episode ever on Inside the Four Walls by Gareth Stone of Houlihan Loki. So they are a focus of attention. They have captured the imagination. They are a brand operating in the area of brain health and performance, which is something only five years ago people thought was not really ready. It was too new, maybe didn't really have any form of platform. Five years on, though, it is a trend that everyone talks about and has only been heightened in sensitivity on the back of a global pandemic, which has given rise to a greater understanding of brain health and mental well-being. It is an amazing discussion with Fabian, who is a true CEO and leader, I feel. They talk so much common sense about so many key areas. So listen out as we talk about their funding process, who their consumer is, what it was like to start a brand at the very beginning of a trend, to be a pioneer, and exactly what they're up to today. So sit back, listen, learn, and of course, enjoy and we'll leave you in the capable hands of Fabian. Fabian, welcome to Inside the Four Walls. It's great to have you with us. Um, and also, you're a busy man on podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, Nick. Thank you very much for the invitation. We're looking forward. And yeah, it's actually already my third podcast interview for today. But yeah, the highlight, um, prob- definitely the highlight. This one, good. I'm glad you said that. Otherwise, I was going to get some form of uh, complex. Well, no, genuinely, Fabian, thanks so much for joining us. It's it's actually a great delight to have you on and, and one really interesting to our listeners and to me personally. Um, you might not know, but you as an individual and a company were name-checked in our first podcast with mm. Gareth Stone of Houlihan Loki, which in its, work, in, it, in its own right provides people with a, if Gareth's interested or if Houlihan Loki are talking about things, people should be interested. So that's kind of an interesting starting point. So before we cool. get anywhere close to that sort of topic, I think what's fascinating is to just understand why you started the business, when you started the business, because actually you kind of cornered something that everyone says today is obvious, but someone always had to pioneer it from the beginning. So a little bit of the backstory would be great. Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks, Nick. Um, so um, I founded Brain Effect um, roughly um, October 2016 with a main purpose uh, to develop mind, nutrition and brain food and uh, to somehow help people to fulfill their personal um, mental goals, mind goals uh, by nutrition. And the reason for that development is that um, 15 years ago, I was a professional athlete. Yeah, I was um, throwing the discus, was doing athletics and throwing the discus. And um, now it's a podcast interview, so you can't see me. So I'm not the tallest guy and not a, like really extremely built, at least compared to, to the other people there. And um, so therefore, I really had to dig into other ways how to compete. And one of them was mindset. The other was recovery. And together with my dad, which is actually a doctor, um, I discovered that um, with nutrition, you can have a vast effect on those. Huh? So this was 15 years ago. Um, um, and um, it, it took kind of a journey and a little bit of a while. But um, after um, I, I worked as a consultant and after 
I got my first uh, project in the Berlin startup scene. I thought, you know, with with nutrition, you have such a vast in, um, effect on, on the mind. So let's create something. Let's do something. And that's when we founded Brain Effect, which is a mind nutrition and brain food company um, looking on healthy snacks, um, healthy food, but also on healthy um, mind oriented supplements. And when you started, so October 2016, do you feel you were one of the first or you were ahead of the curve? In fact, could you write any sort of brands down that you felt you would compete against or aspire to? Not, not at all, at least not in Europe. I mean, in, in USA, you have already Bulletproof, um, um, which, which is obvious. And I think a lot of people know Bulletproof, the Bulletproof company, Bulletproof Coffee, uh, probably tasted that one that was on it um, in the USA. But in Europe, I think we were definitely the first really focusing on the mind. And my personal vision is that um, that the daily nurturing of a focused, calm and healthy mind becomes the new normal. And when I'm speaking about nurturing, I on the one side mean, of course, food and, and, and supplements. So what, what we take like into our bodies, but I also mean um, by content, by, um, you know, by podcast, by, by digital coaching, because I believe that only, we can only like shift and improve our sleep, improve our focus, improve our mental well-being if we bring, you know, food and, and supplements together with a change in habits. So that, that, that was, I think, also I think a completely um, new understanding, which we brought at least to the German speaking market during that, that time. So um, they definitely something completely new. And I remember the time where, you know, um, journalists asked us, what are you doing there? And I, we were explaining and they were like, I mean, what's that? Is it fitness, nutrition? No, it's, it's actually nutrition for your mind. But why are you not having protein? So, so it was really a, a rough start, yeah. But today, um, I think um, most people got the concept that um, there should be also um, a mind-tailored nutrition. So it's a, really, it's a really great point, actually. So it's only four full years, really, since you started. So if we go October 2016, that's only really four full years, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that long. But obviously, it can also feel like an eternity when you have your own business. So if you could, it would be really lovely to get your reflections on just, I suppose, how much you feel the understanding or the market for brain foods and supplements has evolved in such a short space of time. Because back then, they're challenging why you would do it. Now, everyone's going, that's what we should be doing, or it is the future. So just some reflection on the on the shift and the change would be interesting. Yeah, I think, and I'm, I mean, if I'm speaking about, I'm speaking mainly from a market observation here in Europe because I know that the U.S. market and especially also the Asian market, yeah, they're far more ahead of us, yeah. So, but um, looking at the European market, um, you know, Nick. As I said, my, my vision is that the daily nurturing of focused um, and healthy brain becomes new normal. And um, I believe that as, as nutrition as we have it today was developed in the 1950s of the last century. It was developed, you know, for our grandparents, uh, which worked in plants, maybe in coal mines even, yeah, which worked physically. But it was not developed definitely for, for myself, for yourself, for most of the listeners, which are brain workers. And um, that's what we want to change. Um, and when we actually started it, um, um, I, I think um, some people got the concept. And if you look at the society, already the challenge was there. So if, for example, if you look at some German studies and uh, French studies, you see that 80% of all people working in Germany, um, they're feeling um, that they're not sleeping well. 60% believe that they're really feeling stressed in their private life, in their personal life. And you have got also another study showing that 42% of all people in Europe cannot concentrate at work. However, the challenge at the beginning was that not many people understand that there's a nutritional component um, with a problem associated. And we want to, of course, solve that issue. And um, we could really see, you know, some traction in the market. So when we started, we started with three people and I have to admit the first one to two years were pretty rough. Um, I had the, the privilege to have a, um, a co-founder um, or an investor from the beginning on my side, which, um, which was somehow supporting the process and really believed in the vision that at some point mind nutrition will become as big as a fitness nutrition, yeah? and that's the you know functional space of the mind um, will be you know if you're going to Whole Foods or if you're going to Holland and Barrett or wherever you go, yeah, we'll have you know 
the same size in terms of you know shelf space than the sport um, nutrition sector has right now. And um, it was really tough at the beginning, but um, right now I'm also, I think, Due, also due to COVID, I have to admit, uh, which is a, one of the few positive things of COVID, um, there's a shift um, towards um, the mind in general and towards mental health and mental well-being. And I think, therefore, we're really benefiting in the long run uh, um, for it. And also people really caring about, you know, what can I do to have a clear, focused mind? What can I do for my mental well-being? So I, I really want to talk on both of those. So let me just take one step back. So the first one to two years, as you described, were really rough. Now, that's not uncommon for a startup. So was it just normal startup um, factors? Was it making the connection for the consumer that a solution exists in a product form? Was it um, any other factors? What, why were they rough? And I suppose, how did you get through that? Yeah, so um, it was definitely rough because we have to educate the consumers. So we have to heavily spend on consumer education. And that's what we're doing with our podcast that we're doing with a, we have a, a digital magazine who has got, which has got more than I think 3 million hits per month, um, which is fantastic. But so the main challenge at the beginning and still probably the challenge is because we, I mean, we're still at the beginning of the curve and the wave is just being built up and we want to be the big wave surfer when the wave is finally hitting uh, uh, Europe. Um, is that we really have to educate the customer. And at the beginning, there was just no education. So we had to done it by ourselves. We were one of the first um, creating a podcast um, all around, um, you know, um, mind performance, uh, mental well-being. It's called actually Talking Brains, the art of um, mental performance and mental well-being. Um, and uh, which was one of the first podcasts here in Germany. We had the magazine, we invested heavily in content. And I, I guess probably, you know, 2018, 2019, there was the first big tipping point where um, things like, you know, the area of nootropics actually blew up, yeah, which was interesting. So everyone, um, you know, consultants and so on took nootropics, um, probably also a little bit affected by the, you know, e-gaming movement, I, I would say, which is another really important and and then also interesting topic. And now, um, especially I think um, traction is generated by the, the movement towards mindfulness. And um, I think and that, that's the biggest, the biggest driver of, of that whole development. And to give you the one fact, normally if I'm holding a keynote, I'm every time showing, you know, the iTunes download charts, USA fitness and health apps. And 2016, when we started, they were roughly from the top 10 apps there was one, one mind-oriented app in the health and fitness era, which was, as it's space already uh, Headspace. Headspace. Yeah. Today, you have, depending on the definition, you have at least uh, four to five different apps there. Huh? So um, it's not anymore just about, you know, muscles and strength. Yeah? You know, health um, is also becoming a, a really a mindset game. And I, I fundamentally believe that it's actually even more important yeah, than, than the body that because everything is created in our mind. And that is, um, that's also one, one of our quotes, which you're constantly using in our marketing. So in these two factors really um, helping us, but still I have to admit, we're heavily investing in content. And um, that is probably also one of um, our, I would say, secret sauce or recipes but it's also of course an expensive one yeah I, I mean actually god i could take this in so many different directions Fabian, but i just I have to pick up on what you say all the time the one thing i would really love to know then so you heavily invest in content now you know there's some marketeers who will listen and they'll have their their view on what traditional spend would be and of course we're all evolving more online um, performance marketing, so on and so forth. But in terms of whatever your marketing budget, I don't care what it is, I don't need the number. What I mean is broadly, what do you believe you spend percentage of that marketing budget on education slash content generation? Hmm. Um, we really don't define it in that way because of the content for us has got different you know, pillars in, in the marketing funnel. Yeah, So there's content which is able to to, to being converted, yeah, which is more, you know, in the performance marketing budget even, yeah. But I would say um, if you look rather from a budget perspective into um, our marketing headcount perspective, and if you're looking into perspective there, I would say um, that right now uh, roughly 40 to 50% of the work we're doing is more brand and content, so educating the customer related, um, especially focusing, you know, magazine, 
blog um, podcast. We have a digital coach which comes along with our product. So that is really, um, it's about customer education. And on the one side, understanding their needs here, yeah? getting data, but also, of course, like helping customers to understand what really drives their mental well-being, mental performance, improvement of sleep and so on. But yeah, great answer. Um, that's why you lead a successful business and I don't because you defined it much better. But effectively, a large investment in people and time behind this element because it is what will enable growth. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's brilliant. I just want to come back to therefore the, the COVID bit, which is really interesting because obviously it's a it's a pandemic. It's having um, significant uh, impact on on every everybody everyday lives and so on and so forth. But it has been positive to a number of industries, and and clearly I, the the potential impact for you positively is is corner kind of quite straightforward or common sense. Um, so does that have you seen a real shift in? Is it more people just coming into the environment and your ecosystem to have a look? Are people, have you seen a genuine shift into more mood related products, um, you know, in terms of what people are actually buying? Hmm. Yeah, so let's probably um, differentiate it in three different pillars. Yeah, on, on, on the one side, definitely you see um, higher demand. Uh, in, in general, in the market. I mean, we are not a typical, you know, um, um, COVID uh, winner in, in the way that um, yeah, not all the products are really skyrocketing because as, as we said, we're really focusing on, on, on the mental aspect, on the mindset with brain effect. And in the first, I would say, uh, lockdown months, at least here in Germany, I think in all of Europe, you know, immune system yeah, was probably the thing to go and supplement companies just focusing on that space were probably uh, the winners together with, you know, a meal nutrition companies such as uh, Yule and so on, um, which was we were really skyrocketing. Um, but secondly, of course, in the long run, I believe that there is a fundamental change. Um, and there are two fundamental important drivers which will help our business. First of all is that um, in general, um, I believe that uh, the COVID crisis and the pandemic is actually a health crisis. And um, in general, everyone who's like investing in health, doing something in health, doing something health related will win in the long run. That's one thing. And secondly, especially during the pandemic uh, and during the lockdown phase, we understanding that um, the mind... Um, is so important and the, the focus on mindfulness on mental clarity um, is increasing because you know all these uh, illness depressions and so on are really increasing so for example a friend of mine he's, she's actually looking for um psychologist here in, in berlin right now uh, because she's not really really not feeling good at all but she's not getting an appointment because you know it's not, they have no chance right now. So luckily, all these digital companies, which are doing their amazing job, um, offering solutions. But I also believe that in general, it's a fundamental change towards importance um, of the mind and mental health and mental well-being, especially. And um, in the third pillar is what you ask, um, looking at our products. Of course, we're seeing on the one side more competition. So there are definitely people um, entering the market um, also want to do, you know, some quick wins over Amazon and some quick performance marketing wins. And um, I think on the one side, that's good for us, yeah, because um, it shows that we are on the right track and it shows that there's a great demand in the market. And on the other side, I also believe that it's not as easy because at the end, um, I strongly believe content and um, is winning and trust is winning because at the end it's a new category and if you create a new category uh, you should be the opinion or we want to be the opinion leader um, and we want to be the most trusted brand in Europe in that space and um, so we're working on it and um, the last question was um, how um, our product portfolio mix changed and um, I, I would um, definitely agree um, um, on the hypothesis that um, there's a shift towards you know mental well-being so a little bit away from, you know, performance, um, energy, uh, caffeine-oriented stuff, rather to, you know, um, sleep, um, melatonin, um, CBD, relaxation, um, and vitamin D-oriented products, so which are really focusing rather on the calmness aspect, on the mental well-being aspect, on the um, relaxation aspect uh, most of the time. And um, that's also, of course, something what we can um, um, attack with health claims and with claims, which is great. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because that would be an assumption that I would have I would have had on the market that you would get this uh, shift towards. I've always had a way of describing it, you know, sort of four pillars within it, where you've got like an energy component, which I think is the traditional, the classic way that people have always defined the brain. 
Um, then you have sort of like the cognition, um, you know, maybe that's to function better, quicker, et cetera. And so not so much the stimulation of the brain, but the functioning of the brain, then the balance of the brain, which is the way I like to describe mood and then sleep. And I've always liked the latter third and fourth pillars because I've always felt that that feels more in tune to what I think a lot of people want rather than um, energy sometimes can be mixed up in stimulation. And I think people always wonder whether something can make them smarter. So the cognition effect is always a bit of a trickier one. So I just love mood and sleep actually as interesting propositions. Yeah. So what, what, one, yeah. um, one point, Cynic, and, and, and really like the categories which you just mentioned, the pillars, because they are also our categories. So when we founded the brand in 2016, and my main vision was to, to not be, a, you know, another nootropic brand, yeah, to not be, you know, Tim Ferriss um, selling nootropics um, or FDA, whatever, but rather to look at the mental performance and mental well-being from a holistic perspective. And the holistic perspective was the reason why we created these kind of four categories for us, which are, as you said, concentration, cognition, energy, um, mood, well-being, and sleep, because we believe that they work together. And um, it's as easy as it gets, because um, from a biochemical perspective, I mean, if you're sleeping bad yeah, and you're not regenerating, um, you're feeling much more stressed in the morning. So you actually need a little bit more energy. However, that drives you again down and create increasing your cortisol level and so on. So it is highly interconnected. And therefore, we believe that if you really want to solve and tackle and also create um kind of big, big company and then really help people, we have to tackle these aspects from a holistic perspective. Yeah, I love it. love this area. Um, I must ask, you had to invest hugely in education content, like we said. Rightly or wrongly, consumers may have a cynicism to receive a certain degree of education from a brand that, you know, so, and I just wondered to what degree whether actually this being sort of new to a lot of consumers, maybe you have less of a, inhibition on behalf of the consumers to receive education from you as a brand and also a pioneering brand and of course you use KOLs and experts but it'd be lovely to get just a view on how you feel the consumer receives and is happy to receive education from you whilst also then offering the solution. Hmm. Um, from my perspective I think um, consumers are really happy because um, we're not this typical company which just goes directly for the sale yeah so um, I, I know that there are content marketers probably listening and they're creating content and at the end um, the content directly is leading in a funnel to the you know now you have to buy the product yeah so you're feeling miserable there's a pill for the solution you're getting smarter it's the one pill and actually from a brand perspective and I'm, I'm also have to admit you know I'm, I'm a branding nerd I'm also lecturing branding at the university and um, we we really um, thought and about it that we want to create you no know, trust and therefore um, our content is, is not this typical you know now buy it content it's rather you know really educational content and sometimes even and you don't find a CTA in it saying now buy the product because we know that this person is so um, high, uh, um, so he's at the at the top funnel stage. So he, he definitely not willing to to buy um, buy a product there. So rather, for us, it's more important to really educate because I believe that all the money you spend now on content education, if you're creating a new category, which we're doing, is something. Um, where you're getting in a long run return on investment. It's not a short return on investment. And you don't see the return on investment this month, probably also not this year, but you're going to see it in five years. And that's a one fundamental hypothesis where, where I'm believing in. But I think also that's um, just how you can work if you're creating something, you creating a new category. And how easy has that been to communicate and convince the investors? Um, <laughs> or are they high flyers or seeking this solution themselves? Yeah. And maybe they feel like that's exactly what they've been missing. Uh, yeah, this is a good question. <laughs> no, actually, actually, um, you, you definitely mentioned the really important point. So um, it's on the one side, of course, investors love our products, yeah, because some of them uh, know the product and using them. And um, I had in our during our CUSA, um, we actually closed at the um, end of last year um, our um, CUSA um, funding round. And um, I had a couple of investors which were actually um, yeah, telling me that they already knew the product or actually were using the product. But um, we also, during that funding round, we actually um, we had a couple of different 
we see term sheets on the table, but we also decided to go um, for um, a strategic partner supporting us as an investor, because um, we believe that especially during um, that stage, and I have to admit it was in the middle of the pandemic, we also had some um, issues with um, production and, and sourcing. Uh, so that was also, of course, um, relevant for us um, if it comes to strategic partner. But in general, I believe a strategic partner, which is looking a little bit more long-term oriented and where the investment horizon is also more long-term oriented, makes definitely more sense at least for us right now. And therefore, we really decided to go um, for those partners which believing in our vision, which believing also that that is not a game which you're going to solve in two years, but rather um, something what you solve in the next five to 10 years. And that um, the mind interest sector will be, be as big or probably bigger than the fitness sector is now in, in 10 years, but it's definitely not next year. So um, we're really looking for some with a long-term vision. And and you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times, actually, almost the the comparison a little bit to the fitness related sector sports nutrition in that sense and and, and there's some big numbers in there pretty chunky but uh, numbers particularly on behalf of some individual brands and um and, and platforms um i wanted to, always like to ask and understand your view then on to what degree you um sit alongside sports nutrition are you also sort of they're part of you you're a part of them i mean how how active or sporty is your consumer for brain effect and because sports nutrition wants to launch nootropics they call it an adjacency but there's a permission issue for some brands i would suggest so for me are you stealing some of the sports nutrition consumers can you help us define who your consumer is in a sport or active sense mm. um I wouldn't say that we're stealing um, consumers because um, at the end, um, most of our consumers, um, at least if we look into the data, are highly active people, are people which caring about their health, are people which care about their sleep. And um, they're not professional athletes there, yeah, but they at least um, are active. Um, but at the end, I think it, it's, it's a value add which, which we're having. However, um, looking a little bit more in the branding perspective, um, since my background is also, you know, from from sportive sector and from athlete athlete sector, um, we used to have also a little bit more, you know, fitness oriented branding. So if you would have visited our website um, roughly, you know, one year, half a year ago, it would have looked a little bit different. And and um, and that was during that time, I think okay and also um, made sense because it was um, the easiest way to get to you know the first early adopters in which were definitely coming from you know the sport nutrition sector because um if you're doing sports it, it's, it's normal for you to have you know a protein shake after after your workout maybe or it's normal for you to take some supplements in the evening so there are already some learned routines um which you can use for your products However, um, looking at the brand right now and also looking at the brand in the future, um, we really are separating from it because we believe that um, you need a totally different credibility in order to create the category and shape the category of mind nutrition. And um, they are especially also if you want to reach a broader target audience a mass market appealing. You don't want to be connected, you know, with the typical whey protein um, uh, customers, yeah? Because you want to be more connected probably with, you know, the, the, the hardworking people with a yoga, uh, fitness-oriented health enthusiasts. You want to be connected with them. And they're probably not the ones uh, which taking, um, you know, a whey protein. And um, so in general, I would actually separate uh, this market. So there's definitely some correlation if it comes to the um, target groups and customers. And most of, I would say, most of our customers are definitely fitness-oriented and active. However, um, I also don't believe that big fitness companies will have the opportunity to create really trustworthy brands yeah, with their core fitness DNA in the mindful and mind nutrition space. Which is a great answer. And actually really, it answers perfectly the, the, the headspace I'm in with regards to the permission of a brand. And I've always described it as you're a, a brain selling product brand or you're a brand that sells products related to the brain and the two are subtle but significantly different so i think um to to some effect you've, you've nicely answered that 
Does that mean, though, from your side, Fabian, that the area is still so big and so 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 much growth, you don't need to worry about this next statement, which is, does it mean that being called brain effect and being focused on the brain inhibits you to go into any other areas? Or is that almost irrelevant given the size of the area that you potentially are pioneering? So exactly. So we, we focus completely, not just on the brain, but on the mind. Yeah. So you could, of, of course, other, and we how we define mind and holistic brain, well-being, brain performance and brain health is, of course, that things like aging and things like sleep are also being part of it. Yeah. Because it's um, they're directly affecting the brain or actually being centered in, in, in the mind. And um, and I think this space is, um, is is big enough, yeah. And we were definitely focusing on on, on that space. Um, and we, we will not, uh, you know, launch a whey protein fitness shake, yeah. Or we will also not launch, you know, some kind, I don't know um, hair uh, gummies, yeah, or something like that. So we we I think we we expert in our, our space, and um, also our own product development team. So by the way, we don't do me too products. Yeah, all of our recipes are developed completely in-house by PhDs in neuroscience and biochemistry and so on. So this is um, also something what differentiates us, I think, from a lot of competitors. And, um, and we, we've totally focused on the mind. And you've still got so many innovation areas you can go on to, can't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> we've only, I mean, we've only just really started touching on on the guts and the links there, and um, and so on and so forth. So actually, I mean depending on the, the knowledge of everyone listening. I mean, there really is quite a lot amount of scope, isn't there? I guess your issue to some degree is how broad does the range go before you start offering too many brain products and people getting lost on what, what do you ultimately need? Um, but that, that's a not, a, not a bad dilemma to have. Um, we mentioned the size of the market. Do you, for your investor packs or anyone else, do you write down the size of the brain nootropic slash market? anywhere i mean how big is the opportunity i mean if i'm being now in an investor pitch and um, of course um, i have to tell some numbers and these numbers it, it depends uh, highly on how you actually size the market yeah so um it depends if you put for example gut health into it because um, your gut is directly linking uh, to, to the brain for example but it, it, it's definitely um a billion game and depending on how you size it since between um two to um eight billion in europe right now um constantly growing with um double digit um growth rates per per year so um de depending on on how you size it um definitely um, um many many billions there behind and is is how do you view the market then domestically obviously very strong so do you i mean that that's out of obviously that's where you're from so is germany a, a leading company in it a country in it uh is do you see a degree of maturity differences across the european markets how, how do you view that yeah so um, I mean the, the German market is, is some market where I mean which we shaped yeah, together with the Austrian and, and Switzerland market and, and we definitely the leading company there also um, just did um, our French market expansion and um, we see that um, even like I would even argue that the French market is always like from their general thought yeah um, um, of of mind nutrition a little bit ahead of Germany. Huh? But um, probably the most advanced countries there um, are definitely um, Sweden, Scandinavia. So Scandinavian countries in, in general, with also companies such as Forsythmetic um, rooted there, um, or other you know biohacking oriented companies. Um, um, we see we see Aura Sleeping Ring, uh, which I'm actually just having so sleeping tracking device, and we also have um, a little cooperation with those guys um, going on. So um, there's definitely um, a higher maturity in the market. Um, the, the UK market, yeah. So it's a, your domestic market is of course also a really interesting market. Um, um, which is, um, I would say, already um, also ahead um, of Germany. However, competition with American companies um, coming in, such as Bulletproof, um, is probably a little bit higher. So I guess um, for us, at least, um, Germany, um, Switzerland, Austria, um, France, Italy, um, and the Scandinavian countries are the really interesting ones right now. Um, I've picked up a couple of times, rightly or wrongly, the way you've described uh, nootropics and biohacking almost as a slightly separate or maybe um, words to an effect that you wouldn't use necessarily under the way that you would describe brain, brain effect. Now, I could be wrong, if I mean, so mm -hmm. please say if I am. I just wondered what, therefore, your, your views are on that, you know, nootropics. Um, you said at the beginning, people, consultants came along and sort of said, hey, nootropics are really big. And everyone's like, ooh, 
Um, but actually, just wondered what your view is. Do people even know what that word means? Do, do you think it's a relevant word? And it, it, is it different or is it the same as what you are offering as a brand? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think your observation is pretty, pretty uh, right. So um, I actually wouldn't consider ourselves a nootropic company and also don't want um, that brain effect is considered nootropics or nootropical company, um, as we like to call it, Germany here. And the reason for that one, that it's, um, it's uh, from my personal perspective, I mean, nootropics are not 100% defined what it is, yeah? But um, it's, it's definitely not defining um, mental well-being and mental health from a holistic perspective. And I believe that we're living in a society and we're living in a world where we should define mental well-being and mental performance from a holistic perspective. And we should take not just the concentration cognitive part, as you said, into consideration. We should take things like sleep, mental well-being, um, energy, um, also mental aging into consideration when we're speaking about it. And, and most of the time, um, this is not um, somehow considered, at least in the pure definition of nootropics, which means um, some active ingredients um, which improving your um, cognitive functionality and are not harming you in the long run. Um, but, you know, this definition also gets uh, sometimes completely ripped um, out because also people thinking about, you know, these, these, these uh, drugs here, yeah, such as modafinil and, and Ritalin and so on, or Adderall, um, which are also sometimes considered um, as a nootropic that people using even, even as a synonym um, um, of a nootropics. And therefore, um, we really want to differentiate ourselves um, from this kind of definition, um, which has got also at least um, sometimes or can have a slightly negative connotation. Do you think that to some degree, by the way, I love that answer. It's a really nice one. It makes, again, a lot of common sense. Does that, is that been, do you think that's uh, been in part helping to differentiate you from everything else that's been coming up and, and, and the way that everything's been communicated? Would you say that's an important factor? I don't know if it's an important factor, but for us, it's definitely an important factor um, as creating the brand. Because as I said, um, we we want to we want to be an ex uh, inclusive uh, brand, not an exclusive one. And, and um, if you consider yourself as a nootropic um, company, then you can definitely target you know, all new brain performance-oriented people. Um, but um, you definitely um, will probably not resonate uh, positively with, with you know, you know, the mindful yoga-oriented um, um, people, which, which tend to use Headspace Calm and all these apps and go, go to yoga and meditate a lot and, and thinking about, uh, from, from a holistic point of view um, on the topic we're today discussing. So um, it's definitely important for us. And picking up on the inclusivity, which again is, uh, is, is a really nice way to describe it so that you're more relevant to more people. Um, you've touched upon, or we've touched upon a couple of um, trends. I just wondered from an from a inclusivity point of view, just how important you feel things like uh, plant-based or, or vegan as a, as, a, as a hygiene factor, which you've added into your product range. Um, maybe gnats on the sort of ingredients or botanicals, for example. I just wondered if you had a, a view of how important, let's call it gnats on us in inverted commas, plant-based um, type foods have been to broadening inclusivity. Is that important? Are you seeing that in terms of what consumers want? Yeah, definitely. So um, we, we definitely, um, we, we collect a lot of data uh, based on our digital touch points um, through our digital coaching. So every product comes with a digital coach. And we also use that one, of course, to collect data. And we see there um, um, a definitely high interest in it. And it's this kind of, as you said, a hygiene factor on the one side. And I wouldn't consider ourselves, you know, a plant-based company. And I wouldn't um, call ourselves, you know, a vegan company. But I believe that it's... Um, for the consumers we are attracting right now and also for the in the future probably even that is more important that statement and um, it's kind of a hygiene factor yeah. and it's also and that's my, my, my second opinion on it um i mean i'm i'm not i'm not completely vegan huh? so i'm sometimes in you know eating meat um, but i'm really looking into you know organic meat yeah and um, i totally believe that we're eating too much meat in general and so therefore also it's, it's a health factor yeah because there are a lot of studies showing that um if you're reducing the amount of meat you're eating if you're going uh, vegan at, at some point yeah um throughout the week yeah, it definitely makes sense from health perspective and that's i mean our fundamentally an ultimate goal yeah to really help people to feel good yeah and therefore it's, it's definitely also a hygiene factor but not just from a branding perspective but also from a general health perspective um i've got i've got one that's really pertinent to me <clears throat> so 
forgive me for asking and for those listening because i have to self-indulge a little bit and that is the fact that i've just written um a, a report on on keto mm-hmm. principally in through the lens of bars and i think it's a really interesting area so it aligns to it sort of starts like a little web right it's a little network so you get keto which people might think because they're just the purest of keto but it links to collagen in a way it links to the brain and then you've got bulletproof which doesn't self-define itself as keto per se they're all about brain performance then you've got mct oils and you're back to the brain and it's kind of like this little like a weave and someone might be very keto and describe themselves as a fundamentally keto related brand but yet keto is a principle in terms of some of the food choices the high fat diet the brain performance is so relevant to brain effects now you have an ability to shop or search buy a keto but you don't define any products by keto per se i would just love if you give us if i could get an insight as to do people search a lot for keto products on the website or how do you feel you want to tap into the keto trend but without becoming a keto brand does that make sense mm. yeah that definitely makes sense and you you really um i think summarized in a, in a great way that you know keto one of the fundamentally advantages of, of living keto at least for some days or some time, yeah, is that it also improves your your mental um, well-being, your mental performance. And there are also some fundamentally really great studies showing that if you have again a mental problem, even mental disease such as Alzheimer, um, keto ketogenic diets and keto can help. And so we're actually selling some of um, our MCT oil um, to um, hospitals here in Germany, which is which is great, um, which are focusing on you know on Alzheimer treatment. Uh, but to come back to your question, Nick, so. Um, Yes, it's, it's definitely part um, of, of the overall part, but we see it rather, you know, as, as, as one one kind of tool. Yeah, And so we want definitely one uh, integrated DNR set we believe in sugar reduction. So all of our products are, are low carb or lower carb as the official health claims would be. And um, so um, we have, we're really believing that we should reduce sugar consumption. We really believe that um, the brain needs fat, yeah? But we don't consider us again as a keto company because we also believe that it's not um, inclusive enough, yeah? So therefore um, it's, it's at some point, but we of course have um, yeah, customers coming from that um, segment and we will also expand there in the future a little bit more in that sector, uh, having probably um, keto oriented products. However, without um, telling you now too much, but I believe that these products will not be like, you know, totally advertised as keto products, but rather, you know, as a healthy brain performance uh, snack or healthy brain a snack uh, without any sugar. Yeah. And do, do, do many consumers in Europe, Germany, France, um, put MCTs into their coffee? Do, are they putting, are a lot of people putting fat into their coffee? I mean, all of those classic things from the US, I mean, is that, is that a staple for many people or are, are people more inclined still to go to your mood-related capsules, tablets, and so on? Um, I mean, that's, of course, a question how to measure that one. I mean, it's, it's definitely um, not as big as in the USA. And um, still, um, the whole keto movement also, I mean, if you look at the typical Google stats and Google trends and so on, it's, it's far lower uh, than in the USA. Um, however, there are more people doing it. But I mean, this typical, you know, bulletproof thing, put, you know, fat into your coffee. I think that that's at least what I'm feeling, not a typical, you know, at least um, middle European thing. Uh, and so rather, if we're speaking about keto um, people, you know, you know they, they're really eat, eating low carbs. They're putting, you know, um, a little bit more oil on the salad. They're cooking um, a low carb. Yeah, they know they're loving low carb snacks or keto bars maybe. Um, um, where you're an expert in, but it, it's it's not these you know these bulletproof movement putting MCT oil in, in your coffee and your tea every morning. It's probably not the, the big thing, and probably will, from my perspective, also um, not be the big thing uh, in, in in Europe as it is in the USA. Brilliant. So after all of this, we've got to be honest, so much content, and we've got but you've only been around for four years, so. I guess the question that I always like to ask, and we always preempt a little bit, is to try and give people, I mean, people tell us that you're successful, that you are the trailblazer, that you are the pioneer. Um, You know, you can close Series A funding, which means people are gathering a lot of interest and you've done some phenomenal storytelling to people to get behind it. You had a couple of rough years to start off with, like all companies have, but after four years, where does that put you in some sort of context in terms of, 
broad revenue size and author of a figure to give people an understanding of context of success that would yeah. it would help put this in in the mind of everyone mm -hmm. so so maybe i mean i, I cannot tell you like um, um, exact numbers uh, because I, i would i would like to but i'm not allowed unfortunately uh, there was part of our series a, a contract but i can give you two facts so one one of them is i mean we started with three people um now roughly 60 people working um and here in our office in berlin and secondly um and we started with roughly zero revenues and, and now we are we are at a um a double digit and a revenue number um so um, um north 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 10 million um and um, yeah let, let's see how um, how the year goes and um that's good enough for us um how many consumers and and are you getting good repeat purchase on those consumers i mean are, are they affluent consumers are they ultimately worth a lot over the course of a 12 month period I mean, I mean, definitely. Um, I'm also, unfortunately, I cannot tell you the yeah. exact numbers, but I mean, we're tracking our cohorts, we're tracking our customer lifetime value on different um, different um, stages. Um, and um, so if you get hooked once and if you really understanding um, our product and if you're sending the power, um, you, you tend to you tend, tend to um, keep buying and um, tend to stay with us so that we can, we can really see that point. So especially if you're once being hooked, And if you're believing, because again, I mean, we were not selling magic pill, yeah. And probably some people are expecting a magic pill, but um, we, we're selling um, functional support. Um, and if this part comes together, you know, and if people using our coaching possibilities with a product, with a digital coaching, and changing a little bit the habits, then at the end they're really feeling a huge difference. And um, then they're definitely sticking with the brand. Brilliant. Um I just would love, because uh, a lot of people do uh, listen and, and, and they do ask this question, it'd be great to just get an overview of almost your investment story. So you, you started with nothing, you had an investor from the beginning, but you've just closed a series A. So over the last four or five years, how, how, how have you managed the investment process to enable like what just the basic pillars of what happened when to enable you to get to that? Because that's a lot of people, great figures in a short period of time. So it'd be great to understand how that that that's been funded to a degree mm -hmm. sure so um i had a huge privilege and opportunity to uh, yeah to to support and convince um, um one uh, one a family office um and also one uh, yeah fellow biohacker and really interesting person which is um all of the show here in, in in berlin to um yeah to, to build um and launch the, the brand and the company together with me And he founded um, with his um, venture slash family um, arm um, the first uh, stages, uh, being a pre-seed seed. And um, then we got um, some external or a second uh, big investor um, in um, with our Series A stage. So at the end, it's um, yes, three investors, which is myself um, and uh, the, the former two investors uh, mentioned right now. And um, we closed the series A, when was it like, yeah, in the middle of the COVID crisis, yeah? So we started before, it was kind of a really interesting uh, interesting last year because we started, you know, in, in January, February, um, some fantastic January numbers, uh, and then um, got some really great feedback um, from uh, many different VC funds. Um, I mean, some, none of them challenged actually the space which i found really interesting so all said you know the space here and we totally believe it some said okay you're too small or you're too big or whatever but uh, no one really ch challenged the space uh, which i found um, really interesting but then um yeah we actually closed in the middle of the COVID crisis so that was a crazy crazy time but at the same time very relevant to everyone regarding <clears throat> the role that you can play in terms of um a really positive role within um within the current world and the pandemic at the moment so actually of all times to close it maybe it wasn't a bad time um so that, definitely it's uh, definitely it's um it's yeah super fascinating um what about international so you international expansion do you is that is that next on the list i mean it must be surely to to not copy and paste because that's the wrong approach really but you mm. know to 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 lift up and be able to expand quickly yeah 
Yeah, definitely. So we're testing that the, or we have already tested the French, uh, French market and believe that the market is really, really interesting. And um, we launched it, um, I think, before COVID, roughly a couple of weeks before the COVID pandemic um, hit also the French market. We still then will expand there, especially in 2021 heavily, um, a lot of investment being done there. And um, then um, we'll also look, of course, the Italian market is interesting. Um, we also um, started um, to look into the Spanish market, but um, then believed that um, because it was hit so much by the pandemic and also logistic systems didn't work out. So um, that's something where unfortunately due to COVID, um, we um, right now we're stopping um, the expansion there. But um, then um, the UK, yeah, so your domestic market is also um, really interesting for us. And we have some trials and pilots uh, going on right now with some retail um, chains and also with some discussion with other um, people. So yeah, that's also really a really interesting space for us um, looking, looking in our 2021 strategy and international expansion strategy. Right. <clears throat> My last area if it's okay it's just to ask a little bit about gaming we we touched upon it earlier um and there's a you put a nice sort of smile on your face when i mention it i just um yeah what what does how do you view um esports and gaming i mean obviously everyone will put two and two together and go what's perfect for you and and i'm sure it is and i know you've been involved in it and are involved in it so i just um is that is that just a like a, a, a lovely additional sort of build because everything we've talked about has been about you know mental health and welfare which by the way can still be relevant to gaming but then gaming people's lenses through energy and performance so what does gaming mean to brain effect hmm. yeah um that's a really interesting question again i'm probably a question where we could have do an own podcast about it but um to sum it up um so um remember like a half an hour ago we spoke about you know the fitness nutrition and can fitness go actually um in in the, the mental mindful mind food brain food or in the space and i believe um yes probably for upselling but not with a real brand yeah and um, which is uh, considered a genuine uh, trustworthy brand and um, we made the same experience um, with, with Brain Effect, and we believe so in the future we will look not as much into gaming um, because um, we, we've, we've done that, we tested it, it's, it's a really interesting market. But I believe that there are um, brands which are generally just focusing on gaming. Yeah? Um, and these, these brands have a genuine advantage there. So, um, and I believe that the space of mind, nutrition, and brain food and is so big that we have to rather focus and therefore we will of course focus in the future um more um on on, on other aspects and will not uh, participate in, in the gaming sector as much as we used to be because we believe that um the the target groups are fundamentally different and um if and there are some brands, you know, in, in Germany, there's a brand called Level Up. Yeah, in the UK, I know there's um, other brands which are highly successful, and, and they're just doing, you know, pure gaming for target groups, you know, 16 to 21, 22. Uh, other brands which are looking rather into the 18 to 28 ones, and um, so that is, um, and that we believe that they can actually target the needs of this gamer far better than we can, and that we at some point created some kind of trust conflict for our brand. However, um that of course all the gaming oriented people um they're getting older and um of course some of them you know they're, they're becoming engineers they're becoming you know it experts or whatever yeah also means it's stereotyping so maybe they also become creative genius yeah uh, acting uh? however um most of them of course if they um, i think um, maturing they're really looking into factors as our product so we rather seeing it um as something uh, which is like stretching our target group in the future and is building our future target group. And therefore we really love gaming. I'm a big fan, big advocate also, um, and, and loving that, um, you know, um, the League of Legends uh, studios here in Berlin have been to a couple of uh, uh, games there to watch those. Uh, however, we will not um, like heavily market that space in the future. There's a very good chance they might still come to you anyway, in which case you'll be there, you'll be exactly. relevant and so on. But it's a exactly. really, really interesting point that, people would just be like it's so obvious surely that's they're going to be you know relatively overt but your focus the focus is still there on the big opportunity which is much bigger but i love the idea of the generational shift the gamers will get older and they won't i assume you know they'll not have quite so much time i don't know i mean maybe i'm a bit naive to that but um i can see the generational shift of the game consumer 
evolving beautifully into brain effect definitely hypothesis assumption that's our idea <laughs> yeah yeah but it sounds a good one um really interesting um great comment. last one personalization um you you, you, mean you got the sleep ring on you're trialing that so you said you've got a few sort of um maybe a few touch collaborations to have a look because it obviously feels like you're having a bit of a play in that area to try and work out how you do it aside from you know your consumer you collect a lot of data you personalize the way you talk to them how you you know you you funnel products towards mm -hmm. them but the broader personalization trend are you trying to get onto that that train i mean it will be definitely the future so the question is i think every every brand could should consider um, um how they um being being part of that trend and um, how they're creating products um so i also believe that in 20 years i mean you're not taking your your daily vitamin d yeah but because a doctor tells you that for the average person uh, uh, in europe uh, should take x so at the end um it's, it's definitely one part um we, we're not 100 sure um how we, we include it uh, to be fairly frankly there but we're definitely working there on solutions so it would be also part of our um, development, but um, we will not launch uh, during the next uh, weeks or months, uh, you know, a personalized um, a brain um, food or brain supplement engine. And very, very last question. To achieve the goals that you have set out to achieve, you know, in the short to medium term, but obviously with the long term uh, on the horizon, what do you believe are going to be the three most important pillars or activities or values that will enable you to achieve the, the vision that you've set for brain effects the top three that you think mm. will get you there mm. uh, first of all um grit grit in a way that uh, uh for me as a founder and for the management team because at the end um, it's it's a long game and uh, you have to you have to run so it's um it's definitely if you want to shape a market and um, you need grit to do so um secondly i think um yeah you need to write funding because actually and um, content is an investment and you're creating a market and uh, for me four years seems um like already uh, like ages yeah when you're saying it's only four years yeah, that reminds that it's only four years of course so therefore um but still you need of course um, money um an investment in that space and um lastly i think um it, it's important um but there all the mega trends um, are moving towards us that um people genuine understand that um with nutrition they can really have an effect um part of i'm getting more muscles or looking better and um so we 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 see a lot of mega trends to working towards those ones so at the end it's a single game of um grid on our side um um creating be cool best products um in europe which from my perspective we definitely do and um having the investment to do so and educating the customer and uh, my big metaphor is every time um yeah when the big wave is hitting Europe huh? and we want to be a big wave surfer riding that wave. And um, that's, that's the idea. Perfect. Great answer. Great way to finish. Fabian, thank you so much for joining us and um, a great brand doing great things in a great area at a great time. So good luck with it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. It was a pleasure. So a big thank you to Fabian for joining me today. What a great podcast. I love listening to smart people, particularly those that talk a lot of common sense. And Fabian really does do that throughout the last hour, or I certainly believe so. I mean, ultimately, he is pioneering a new category, which effectively today feels like an obvious category for people to get involved in. But when you think about it, only four and a half, five years ago, people looked at him and said, nah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but that's got legs or people weren't sure if consumers were gonna buy into it or how it could be achieved. And it is really amazing to see how quickly that has changed and people's view has changed to the extent to which a lot of brands want to get in it either directly as a focused proposition or building on their existing platform with some form of adjacency moving into this area. The ceiling of opportunity undoubtedly is high. You've got a greater understanding and sensitivity to mental health and mental well-being, of course, off the back of a 12-month pandemic, which is only going to continue to impact our lives moving forward. 
so surely this is something that's here to stay. I mean, absolutely would feel like that. And in some respects, you can see from Fabian's business, from Brain Effects growth, from the closure of Series A funding, that others are also thinking very much the same. I think, though, some really important points to reflect on when thinking about how anybody might go about doing this. The first one is, of course, just, I guess, the importance of education. It's a huge enabler to growth in all categories, but just reflecting on what Fabian said about the, how difficult that is, the amount of investment they've had to do, not just in money, but also, of course, in resource and people. I think also a huge discussion about the permission of a brand. I mean, you make direct reference to whether sports nutrition brands can be successful in this area. And I think there's an acceptance, of course, that everyone can be to an extent. But ultimately, Fabian's view is that maybe those that are, you know, more focused on this proposition like they have created with Brain Effect have the full extent of the ceiling of opportunity to go for. And that is a great position to be in. I also think there's a really interesting reflection on how he discussed what Brain Effect is, which is about brain health and wellness and well-being, rather than the terms nootropics and biohacking. Of course, inherently linked, but the distinction that Fabian makes is a subtle one, but I have to say it is a significant one, particularly for true mainstream adoption. And that's something that will stick with me for some time. And I think, again, just finally to reflect on, you know, the, the direct impact they've seen off the back of COVID can only mean this is a continued area of momentum, no doubt growth and acceleration for the next few years to come. And again, if you're thinking about where this is on a maturity curve as a growth um, category, really, it's so much still in its inception. So I suspect you'll see, as we are already, a lot of people following. The key thing's going to be the skill in the execution to making sure that you're a brand that people want to engage in, probably receive education from, and will truly believe and trust in your products. So with that, so much to leave you with, so much for you to ponder, but a great episode. So I hope you took a lot from it. Um, we thank Fabian again for his contribution. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. So with that, we'll leave you to it and we look forward to having you back again soon.